Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So this iconic movie was written and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and it was released in 1972. It is still considered to be one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, it uh, paints a picture. Uh, it's a, a chilling portrait of the Corleone family as this family rises and then nearly falls from power in America. Uh, it's a film that focuses on this uh, powerful Italian-American crime family. There are a lot of quotes out of this movie that have endured, the t- endured time. If I ask some of you, you could probably give me quotes. My favorite one is, let me introduce you to my little friend, but that's a different story. The one I want to remind you of that was made in this account in this movie was this one. Uh, Here's what was said. It says, Italians have a little joke that the world is so hard a man must have two fathers to look after him and that's why they have godfathers. Um, I didn't remember that quote, but then I found it and I recognized that it ties right into what we're talking to this morning. I am thankful that we have a heavenly father. Anybody else thankful you have a heavenly father? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it struck me a while back. We, um, there's this new song that came out uh, a couple months ago, and we've been singing it like crazy. I've been singing I find myself seriously singing it in my sleep. I don't understand. I just, I just know it's kind of gotten in my spirit. But we were singing it one Sunday morning several months ago, and it, it makes this statement. It says, I call on the God of Jacob. And it struck me, I was standing right there, and it struck me that, that I'm not sure we quite understand why, why we're even doing that. So I began to think about it. In over a dozen different passages in, this, in Scripture, on multiple occasions, God is referenced and referred to as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It's, a, it's a, a fa- three men, a father, a son, and a grandson. And then these three men are singled out as our godfathers. Okay, all right. Th- this phrase is used because God makes and repeats a covenant with these three men. Scripture declares in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what it says this. I'm going to prove to you that there are godfathers. Here it is. Here it is. Galatians 3, 6 and 7. Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, so then understand that those who believe in Jesus are the sons of Abraham. So some of us who grew up in church and went to church camps, we used to sing this song. It's a stupid song. It had, it had meaningless motions. Do y'all, some of y'all ready? Y'all want to do it right now? <laughs> Father Abraham and many sons. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. See, we sang it. We didn't think about what we were singing. Father Abraham had many sons, and I... And one of them, right arm, left arm. Okay, so we're not going to sing it, because I heard some of y'all sing. So, um, so I question whether we really have any understanding of the powerful nature of the promises that was made to them and ultimately passed down to us because they are our godfathers. 
So I'm going to read out today. We're going to deal with the first one, of course, Abraham today and next week because his life is long enough that you got to take two weeks. And so we're going to deal with him for two weeks. But what I want us to do is I want us to look back and, and learn the lessons that our godfathers, out of their experience, what they taught us. So join me. I'm going to read some highlights. All I can do over the course of the next four weeks is give you Reader's Digest highlight version. You're going to have to do some, some reading on your own because their, their stories are so grand in scope that I can't really get it all. So I'm just going to give you the highlights, all right? Some of y'all like highlights better than the whole thing anyway because it's the cliff note version. Here we go. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, God had told Abram, leave your own country behind you and your own people and go to the land I will guide you to. If you do, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous and you will be a blessing to many others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and the entire world will be blessed because of you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him and Lot went too and Abram was 75 years old at the time. Some of y'all think you're over the hill. Abram was 75 years old when he loaded up the U-Haul and started a new life. Yeah, so, so you're not too old. Gives me hope. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. Then God brought Abram outside beneath the nighttime sky, and he told him, look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. Genesis chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. Then the Lord said, next year I will give you and Sarah a son. Sarah was listening from the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were both very old and Sarah was long since past the time when she could have a baby. So Sarah laughed silently. A woman my age have a baby, she scoffed to herself, and with a husband as old as mine. Then God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for God? Next year, just as I told you, I will certainly see to it that Sarah has a son. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. Then God did as he had promised, and Sarah became pregnant. And, Abram, uh, and, and gave Abraham a baby son in his old age. At the time, God had said, uh, and Abraham named him Isaac, meaning laughter. So what I just did to you is, and gave to you, I read to you the beginning of the covenant. It's, it's, it starts out with God saying, listen, I'm gonna bless you. If you'll do what I say to do, I will bless you and I will make your descendants so many. It'll be like the stars in the sky, the sands of the sea. I will bless you. And, and, and all that promise took place when Abraham was 75 years old, 11 years later. I didn't read this part. It gets interesting because in Genesis chapter 16, 11 years later, Abraham wakes up and recognizes that God has made a promise to me and it's not being fulfilled. And so in Genesis chapter 16, Sarai, name hadn't been changed yet, decides that she's got this figured out better than God. And so she sends to Abram her handmaiden, Hagar. And she sends him to Abram and Hagar gets pregnant and gives birth to Ishmael. So then finally, God comes back on the scene and repeats the promise to Abram when Abram is 99 years old. You wonder why Sarah laughed. There you go. He was 99 years old, and then when he's 100, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. 
So I begin to think about the account of our Godfather, Abram. What, what could his experience, what could his life story tell us? If we were to encapsulate, uh, encapsulate all, all of his story, try to summarize for us what we should know, then, then what the Godfather teaches us is simply this. God is not only a promise maker. God is a promise keeper. I see, I, I don't think... It's important from, for us to understand that our Godfather has taught us that our, when our Heavenly Father makes a promise, it's a promise kept. Okay, good. I got one person that understands the power of that. See, I don't even think we understand the implications of that. I think some of us have endured so much life that now we've forgotten the promises that God has made to us but God has not forgotten the promises. He is not a man that he should lie. Let years pass. Let, let my situation change. Let my heart feel be, with, be filled with doubt and, and, and questioning. Let people all around me scoff if they want to. Let people laugh and ridicule if they want to. Let, let me think that there's no way that this can possibly happen. Everything's changed. I'm older than I was. I've got too much going on. I messed it all up. By the way, Abram and Sarah messed it all up. And yet what we discover is that even when we get in God's way and we try to help God and we mess things up and we make mistakes, even major mistakes, at the end of the day, we need to be reminded that if it was decreed by God, it will come to pass. Yeah, I, I need to remind you what Jeremiah had learned because Jeremiah says in chapter one, verse 12, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. He's literally watching over his word. If you've ever gotten a promise from God, he is diligently watching over that word. He is sleepless over that word. He is fighting to fulfill that word. If that word comes out of his mouth, then that word will be fulfilled by his hands. Some of you have forgotten that David came to the conclusion that the Lord, in, in chapter 145 and verse 13, you've forgotten that the Lord always keeps his promises. Some of you have forgotten that Isaiah came to this revelation when he says, so shall my word be that comes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall, shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I, I just need to remind somebody at Passion Church this morning that's endured a twist in the path, that's headed a different direction than what you thought you would be about right now, that God, if he made a promise to you, Abram teaches us that if he made a promise to you, he will keep Keep that promise. His promise is secure. Our challenge then is that we face the same challenge that our Godfather faced. We begin to make assumptions about God's promises. Are you with? Okay, you're still with me, all right? We begin to make assumptions about the promises God made. Can't get no help. We make assumptions about the when and the where, and the how, and the with whom, the promise will be fulfilled. Okay, okay. I, I just need you to understand, I'm trying to help you. The enemy operates in the arena of assumptions. 
I'm going to say that one more time because that's good. The enemy operates in the arena of our assumptions. Paul declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says that we are to demolish every vain imagination. A vain imagination is an assumption. Okay. Something I am imagining that is influenced by someone other than God. So what happens then is this. These assumptions lead to ungodly and unrealistic expectations. And our problem is this. We begin to treat our assumptions as if they are a part of the promise. So God, let me just help you this morning. God is obligated to his word. Okay, I know I'd get an amen there. We want to amen it. God is obligated to his word. He's obligated to what he said. Not what we thought he said Amen. or what we thought he meant. This is why you can't just read his word regularly. You must also interpret it rightly. I've been gone three weeks and y'all have lost your mind. We can't just read his word regularly. We've also got to interpret it rightly. If we don't interpret it rightly, we add our assumptions to the promises he made. And then when they don't, aren't fulfilled just like we thought because we added our assumptions, we get nervous. That's why you need trusted counselors and guides that can help you to make sure that you're not adding your assumptions to the text. That is why if you don't if you don't have those safeguards built in your life, you will begin to add your assumptions to the promise. That's why too many of us have blabbed it and grabbed it and called it and hauled it and named it and claimed it. And then when God doesn't come through like we assumed he would, we, uh, we throw the whole promise out and say, well, God must have broken his promise to me because he didn't do it the way I said he would do it, when I said he would do it, how I thought he would do it, and with whom I thought he would do it with. And all of a sudden, because I've done all this other stuff and I didn't interpret it rightly and I added my assumptions to the promise, then God broke his promise. No, he didn't. You mixed up your assumptions with his promise. So therefore, what we've got to do is we must cling to his word, exactly what he said. So like Abram, we, we attach our assumptions to what God said and we get ourselves in trouble. We need to learn from our, our Godfather and we need to take him at his word. His word, not somebody else's word, not our word, not our assumption about his word. We need to take him at his word. Okay, so, so here's, here, here's a couple things I need to tell you. I need to tell you that promises have pace. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to get any amens in here. I know. This is, see, the promise is made when Abram is 75 years old. And it's not fulfilled until Abram is 100 years old. 25 years of waiting. 25 years of wondering, God, are you really going to come through? 25 years of worrying, God, maybe I misheard you. Maybe, maybe for the first time in the history of the entire universe, you're not going to fulfill your promise. 25 years, the promise was fulfilled, but not on Abram's timetable. Or on his schedule. 
Instead, the promise had a pace. And we get ourselves in trouble when we get ahead of God. And perhaps we need to be reminded, those that wait on the Lord are those whose strength is renewed. We've got to learn to wait. You cannot force God to do today what he plans on doing tomorrow. You've got to settle in to the pace of his promise. Don't let the pace of your promise paralyze you. So, so you, must, you, you must simply learn to wait on him. Here's our issue. We live in an instant oatmeal, convenience store, express lane society. And when God fails to operate on my, I've got my calendar on my phone right now. And I've got it by the hour. And if God doesn't come through by 2 o'clock this afternoon, then certainly he doesn't, he's not a God who keeps his promises. But promises have a pace. In fact, the weight helps us handle the promise properly when it comes. That's why James weighs in. James, in, 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 in chapter one, verse four, he makes this statement. Listen very carefully to what he says. He says, learn well how to wait so you will be strong and complete and in need of nothing. Learn to wait well. He says, learn to wait well, I thought I would be free by now. Learn to wait well. I thought I would be married by now. Learn to wait well. I thought I would be financially secure by now. Learn to wait well. I thought I would have gotten promoted by now. Learn to wait well. And James makes a conclusion that I think we miss. He says, if we don't learn how to do that, he tells us what happens if we do. He says you'll be strong and lacking nothing. So you got to logically declare then that if I don't learn to wait well, the opposite is true. If I don't learn to wait well, then I will be weak and lacking. So my question to you this morning is simply this. What promise was made to you? Maybe it was made at an altar at a youth camp. Maybe it was made by your bedside. Maybe it was while you were riding down the street in the privacy of your own car. Maybe it was a prophetic word that was spoken over you. What promise has our Father made to you? My question is, is this, have you grown weary in waiting? Are, are, are you inviting Hagar into your life to try to hurry God up? Settle into the pace of his promise. The other thing I want to tell you is this, is that, oh, you're not going to like this one any better. Uh, promises have problems. We will experience things in promises that will seem to be problems. Here's the dilemma. Because we add our assumptions to the word, then what we do is we've come to this conclusion of how God will work and when he'll work and who will work. We assume that challenges, therefore, cannot be part of the promise. Oh, I'm gonna help somebody this morning. This myth causes you, when you begin to face problems, you begin to question the promise. 
when you're facing things you didn't account for, when you're facing things you didn't really want to go through, when the path took you a different direction and it's taken longer for you to get to the promise, when you're dealing with problems, you will begin to question, did God really say that? You could have given me a baby when I was 75, but instead you're going to make me wait till I'm 100? 100. 100. I'll say that again. 100. It makes, it may, when God allows a promise to come, but also allows problems to come, it causes us to begin to think that the promise is not only impossible, it's also improbable. There's no way you can do this, God. It's out of your realm of ability. It's beyond your scope. It's, it's way beyond your reach. But I need you to hear me this morning. You cannot handle the promise if you don't learn how to handle the problems. So, so, so until we're ready to embrace the opposition that comes with obedience, then we will never see the promise fulfilled. So you, you, you won't manage your miracle correctly if you don't learn to manage the mess that shows up prior to the miracle. So, 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 so you need to know that when we have promises from God, dreams, let's just call them dreams so, so it fits my, my, my analogy. You need to understand that when God gives you a promise, a dream, you also need to understand that there are always seasons accompanied in that dream in, that often feel like nightmares. Anybody? Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, all right. So, so, so the only way to su survive these problem seasons is to, is, and make it to the promise is to get our eyes off the promise. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the ball. No, get your eye off the promise and get it back on the promise keeper. Jesus. Why? Because then even in a season of fellowship with Christ in suffering. Anybody had any suffering seasons lately? I've got a promise. This is not the path. This is not where I thought God was leading me. I didn't know if God was taking me. I, I would have never signed up for this if I'd have gone. I, I expected to be free. I expected to be whole by now. I expected all my walls and chains to be broken and yet I'm faced with all these problems. And how, how do I survive that? Even in a season of suffering, if we learn to keep our eyes on Jesus, Amen. we recognize that momentary suffering gives birth to the promise that lies on the other side of our problems. And I want you to get to your promise, but I want you to, I want you to recognize that if you don't know that there are problems that are going to come with your promise, then you are going to stop short and you're not going to get through. Abraham, just like Abraham experienced, you are going to have to go places you never thought you would go. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to walk through uncharted and inconvenient seasons of life to get to the promises that God has for you.
just because you're facing challenges and inconvenience, nerve-wracking moments. I don't want you to miss the promise. You've got to keep hanging on and holding on and following his word. If you stop now, then you will never get to the promise. If you stop now, you won't experience all that he has for you. If you stop now, if you quit now, if you give up now, if you throw in the towel now, if you say he's never going to come through and take matters into your own hands now, if you're facing issues and problems and say, he must have lied to me, then you will miss the promise of God if you quit now. You cannot let problems stop you. Instead, can I just help you this morning? Because I know some of your stories. I know what some of you are going through right now, and I know you got a promise on your life, but right now, in this season, you're facing, you're facing some problems. Right now, there are some challenges. Right now, there are some mountains you're uh, going up against. Right now, you're in the valley. Right now, you're in the low place. Can I just tell you this morning? Can I just help you this morning? Your problems should prompt you They are a prompt to remind you. Anybody else never, ever need prompts? I need prompts. I need, the, I need somebody to prompt me. Hey, you're doing all right. The, your problem is, 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 not, is not a punishment. Your problem is simply a prompt that is reminding you. There, here it is. You must be on the right path. I can't get no help up in here. If, it, if you didn't have any problems... If you didn't have any problems, how do you know I'm, how do I know I'm on the right path? How do I know that my life is headed in the right direction? How do I know that I'm doing what God has called me to do? How do I know that I'm operating on the promises of his word? How do I know that I'm headed to what God has for me? Simply because there are problems. I'm going to say, I've said, how many times have I said this in the last three months? Dogs don't bark at parked cars. The enemy's not going to start. Why would he mess with you if you're on the wrong track? Why would he mess with you if everything was headed in the wrong direction? It is only when I line out according to God's word and I set my eyes on the promise that he has for me, then all of a sudden problems and buffeting starts coming against me and tribulation. Why? He's trying to get my eyes off my promise maker and my promise keeper. So if you're going through something this morning, if, it's been, if it seems like this doesn't feel like a dream, this feels like a nightmare, then can I just tell you that is a prompt trying to remind you to keep walking, keep believing, take one more step. You're one day closer. You're one week closer. You're one month closer. You're one year closer to seeing the promise fulfilled. So when we hear this, we believe in the God of Abraham. We are declaring that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. When we declare that we believe in the God of Abraham, then we are declaring that we will operate on the pace of the promise that's been made to me. I will wait 
I will wait. I will wait well. Even when I want to take matters into my own hands and fight my own battle and do it my way because God's too slow, I will wait well. And while I wait, my strength will be renewed. And while I wait, I will be reminded that he always comes through. And while I wait, I will be reminded that his timing is perfect. And while I wait, I will be reminded that he's watching over his word to fulfill it. And while I wait, I will be reminded that he always keeps his promises. I will learn to wait. Even when I'm facing problems. Even when I wouldn't have chosen the pain I'm feeling right now. I'll be reminded and prompted that I must be on the right path. And that his promises are secure. Or the enemy wouldn't be fighting me like he's fighting me right now. My question to you is simply this morning. Is there any, this, this morning, is there anybody in the room that's got a promise from God that they're holding on to with everything that's within them? Is there anybody in the house that would declare, I don't see it happening right now. And I wished he would hurry up. And I don't like what I'm facing. But I believe in his word. Is there anybody in the room today that's saying, hey, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago, around an altar, in my car, God spoke a word to me. And I, I began to wonder, I, I just don't know if he's going to fulfill it. But this morning, I declare he's my promise keeper. And he's faithful. He's faithful. He is faithful to bring about what he's, his promises. Listen to this are yes and amen. Wait a minute, I don't understand that. What does that mean? What does that mean? His promises are yes and amen. His promises are yes and what does amen mean? So be it. Uh -huh, some of you got it. When he says something over my life, he's already agreeing with what he said. When he said that I'm, I'm going to do some great things in my life. When he said he's going to prosper me and not harm me. When he said he's going to do all these things in my life. He's over on the side going, I already said it. I agree with myself. And then he says, amen. So be it. And the enemy freaks out. And he begins to come and fight us. And challenge us. Because he wants to get our eyes off of this fact. Our Godfather taught us. He's faithful to his word. I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, help us. There's some folks in this room this morning, Father, that are struggling. Not because they don't have a promise. because their promise has been requiring them to wait. They've grown weary in the waiting. Now there are folks in this room and watching online this morning that they have a promise. That's not the issue. The issue is that their promise is now being met with problems. And because we've attached our assumptions to how the promise would be fulfilled and when and where and who, now we're beginning to question, is there really any truth to this promise that you've made? We need your help today. 
we need your help today to cling to the promise that you made. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I've heard God promise things on my life, over my life, but now years have passed, time has passed, and I'm struggling to wait, and the pace of this promise is wearing me out. I've even there are even moments when I feel like I need to take this into my own hands and make it happen. And I'm tired of waiting, but I know I need to. Or maybe you're here and you say, Steve, I've got a promise from God. God has spoken words over my life, but now I'm being so beat up by the problems that come with that promise that I feel like quitting. I feel like stopping short. I feel like I just don't know if I can hold on any longer. This is not how I thought it was going to be. If you fit either one of those scenarios, would you just do this real quickly? Would you just step out and come and stand? We're going to pray with you this morning and believe that the promise maker is going to remind you that he's the promise keeper. Anybody in the house that is struggling, struggling in this moment with the promises that God has made over your life. I didn't know I was going to have to endure this. I didn't know I was going to struggle here. I need some folks that have seen God bring to pass the promises that he's made over you. Do I have anybody in the house that can attest that God is a promise keeper? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, if you raise your hand out there, I need you to come and find somebody right now and get behind them and pray. We're just going to pray this. We're going to pray that God will first renew the promise to them. That God is going to renew the promises to them. So, Father, right now, to remembrance I call in the minds of everyone that came down this morning I call to remembrance I I call to remembrance it doesn't matter how many years have passed it doesn't matter the path that I chose that I thought would cause this to be uh, completely unrepairable there's no way you can repair this I pray that you'd call to remembrance right now the promises of God in their life right now. I pray it would be like the audible voice of God that you would repeat. You had to repeat to Abram over and over again, a reminder over and over again. You had to remind him that he had a promise. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, you would speak clearly. They would focus their heart, their mind, their spirit, their attention, their ear to your voice. And I pray in the name of Jesus right now, you would remind them of the promises you've made to them. Let them hear it like it was the first time. Now, Father, I pray for those that raised their hand and said, I'm struggling with the pace. God, I expected you to come through before now. I expected the answer to be before now. I expected the breakthrough to happen before now. I expected freedom before now. I pray that in this moment, you would allow them to make up their minds to wait, to wait, to wait. Let them settle into the pace of your promise.
God, we refuse to take matters into our own hands. We will learn to wait well. Renew our strength as we wait. God, there are folks up here right now that have been waiting 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. It seems like too much time has passed. Help us to learn to wait well so that we will lack nothing and we will have strength. We wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you. We wait on you. Father, for those that are up here that are struggling with the problems that have been connected to the promise, God, there are folks that are being challenged right now to the point and to the degree that they feel like they cannot hold on to that promise one more day. But I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, we would be reminded that you, we can fellowship with you in suffering. And as we faithfully fellowship with you in the seasons that feel like nightmares, that on the other side of obedience, our promise will be fulfilled. I pray that we would keep our eyes on you. I pray that the problems that we're facing right now would do nothing other than to cause us to set our face like flint, would cause us to be prompted to to remember that we do have a promise that the enemy's trying to steal. If he's still messing with me, then there must be, it is an indication. It is a signal that he wants to destroy the promise of my life. If he's messing with me, it is an indication that he's after my promise. So there must still be a promise on my life. So God, I pray for strength and endurance. And I pray that when we face these problems and challenges that seem too big to overcome, we would be reminded that you are our promise keeper. You are faithful to your word. Your promises are yes and amen. And so we say, so be it. We agree with you. Even if I've taken a path I didn't expect, even though my assumptions may have got mixed up into the word, I just accept and I agree with what you agree with. Your promises are yes and amen. I claim the promises of God over my life. They're mine. They're mine. They're mine. They're for me. The promises of God are for me. They're mine. They're mine. They're mine. I claim them. They're mine. I lay hold of them. They're mine. I will not relinquish what belongs to me. I claim the promise. I agree with your word over my life. I agree with your word. Not my addition to your word. I claim your word. And if the accomplishment of your word takes me down a path I don't like and is inconvenienced and and, and uncharted and uncomfortable, I'm willing to walk that path to get to your promise. Strengthen every person that walked down here today. Strengthen all of us as we rest in the promises of God in our life. We thank you for the lessons that you're going to teach us from our Godfathers. May we take them to heart. And may we leave today more committed, stronger, closer, one step closer 
to seeing the promise that you made fulfilled. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you touch your neighbor right now and say, hang on to his promise. Come on, tell him, hang on to his promise. 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 It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.